All right. What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Carnes, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammock. Daniel, we got double duty this week because, I mean, it was already a busy week with SEC Media Days, Big 12 Media Days, Big 10 Media Days, ACC Media Days. I don't know if the Pac-12 had theirs. But news breaks this week. Texas and Oklahoma, I mean, joining the SEC, so it seems. So... We had to call back friend of the show, David Cobb from CBS Sports. I saw him live blogging on the subject, but we got a lot to get into. Daniel, hope you've had a good week because we got a full episode ahead. Texas forever. Let's do it, baby. And as an unofficial Texas fan for the season, I'm excited to talk about this. So, David, I'd love if you could catch us up. Like, kind of give us a brief summary of what's gone on this week. This was very out of the blue. And so just catch us up, man. You, you know, you've been working with your guys at CBS. I know you, David Cobb, Barrett Shalee have all, po- you know, written and posted stuff about this. What the heck happened this week? Yeah, yeah. Appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, it was it was crazy, obviously. Uh, been a crazy week in college sports. After a crazy uh, summer in college sports and, you know, really a crazy year and a half. Um uh, yeah, so now we're looking at, at Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC and making it a, uh, a super conference or, or more so than it already was. I mean, if you just think about uh, the, the, those brands um, expanding the league to 16 teams, it's, it's pretty interesting. And, and the timing of it, as we alluded to you know, prior to the show, is just wild because this, this news breaks of their interest in the SEC just right before Jimbo Fisher goes on stage at SEC Media Days. Uh, in Hoover the other day and that that timing is is I don't think coincidental Um, you know obviously Texas A&M doesn't want this and it's not hard to see why I mean they left the Big 12 in part so they could set out to do their own thing and, and be their own brand and it's worked well for them I mean their football program is in a really good place right now and uh, the revenue of the SEC has only continued to you know fatten their pockets over the last decade and it's no surprise, you know, that Texas and Oklahoma uh, would want in on that. But it's it's uh, still shocking nonetheless when something like this drops because just there's so many dominoes that will fall from it. And, uh, you know, here we are. Uh, we're discussing this on Saturday night. And, you know, um, publicly, at least, you know, Ross Bjork, the, the uh, A&M athletic director, is saying, hey, uh, bring it on. Um, and then, of course, we, we also see uh, the Big 12 saying, hey, you know what? Um, the other eight members of this conference are willing to, um, you know, bend the knee a little bit and, and uh, sweeten the pot for, for Texas and Oklahoma and give you guys some of our cut of the TV revenue, maybe, you know, if, if you'll stay. Uh, CBS Sports and, and Dennis Dodd have something on that up, you know, right now. And so uh, that's kind of, I guess, would be the latest as of Saturday night is, is the Big 12 saying, hey, uh, can we give you more money and convince you to stay? Um, and I don't know. I, I, I kind of am skeptical about the, you know, the legitimacy of, of that being enough for those schools. I think it would be hard to go back to the Big 12 at this point. It's like you sent the breakup text already, <laughs> and you've already kind of asked the next girl out on a date. And it, it, you know, the illusion of it, would, the optics would look awful <laughs> if they try to go back to the Big 12 right. at this point. Uh, <clears throat> let's, let's shift this conversation to you know, what implications – does this have on the SEC? So whether it's money, uh, you know, games, rivalries. So, you know, what the 
conference schedule. This has a lot of implications inside the conference. Uh, Daniel, I'll throw it to you. What, what are some implications do you see within the conference as Texas and Oklahoma seems are joining the Southeastern Conference? Right. So obviously these are two big money schools. So you mentioned money. They are going to take another slice of the pie if that was you know, to happen. But the SEC is just one that is already such a healthy adding two monsters with, you know, still two new networks, even though they're in the state of Texas with Texas A&M with adding Austin market. And then obviously adding, you know, state of Oklahoma. I mean, that's going to be huge uh, revenue dollars there. So that I kind of like put that to the side for me about the football on the field. Um, you know, SEC is built on rivalries. So my first thought was like, how are we going to mix this up? So the first thought is, are, are they going to keep the divisions? Because SEC has been very proud of divisions, makes things very clean and easy as far as scheduling a championship game. One wins one division, one wins the other. There's no issues there. Maybe add a ninth conference game um, and maybe move just one of the Western teams over to the East and add both Texas and OU to the, to the West. Um, that seems like probably the path of, you know, least resistance. If we were just trying to make this as easy as possible, add one conference game, make it a nine conference schedule. And then I would vote move Auburn from the West to the East, as far as being able to keep rivalries, Auburn's cross divisional rival was always Georgia. Now they're in the East. They would play them every year regardless. And then they just make their new cross divisional Alabama. I know this would be the end of the, Alabama Tennessee rivalry at that moment but I think that probably a good thing for Tennessee at this point <laughs> probably a good thing for Tennessee I was gonna go to you David since you you went there also but Alabama I mean they they're just told you know they're a, a lion playing with a, a mouse you know it's like what what are they gonna do that ever since Saban's been there it's not been a contest so that's something that would be the casualty uh, obviously you've seen pods thrown out there so pods is a very fun idea I'm interested in the idea. I know Jacob, you've mentioned it before. You're interested in it. It's definitely something I'm worth. It's worth discussing. Um, four pods, four, 14 pods. Uh, there's some obvious ways to mix it up. There's some ways that you can maybe make it a little more interesting, try to balance the teams out. It gets kind of difficult with that. But my biggest thing was, I think that whatever they do, they need to find a way to preserve rivalries or even renew old rivalries so for me obviously Texas and Oklahoma coming in I think they should obviously continue to play each other every year however that works out I think obviously the Iron Bowl needs to be played every year Auburn Alabama Georgia Florida needs to play every year the Egg Bowl that's just such a good one but we need to see this renewal Texas and Texas A&M it needs to come back the hatred is exactly what the SEC is all about uh, between these two teams. I think that that would really make them feel at home in this conference. Pods are a big one. Pods are something. The first time I saw it written about was Bill Conley with ESPN. He, he's been writing about pods for a little while now. Uh, pods seem like the obvious move, but I wouldn't be surprised if they kept the divisions. I want to go in the money direction because – you know, as it stands, the SEC splits money evenly between its 14 teams. They recently signed a new contract with ESPN and Disney uh, starting in that 2025 season or 2026 season, one of those two. 
David, let me ask you, does this, does this open up the possibility where the SEC can now renegotiate this contract and get more money from ESPN at this point? Yeah, I think it would have to open up that possibility because otherwise, you know, you're looking at distributing the same amount of revenue among a larger number of teams. And so I don't think Texas and Oklahoma, given the legal battles that they're about to enter, you know, uh, from the Big 12 side, would be willing to uh, to do this with, I think there's still three or four seasons left on their current Big 12 contract. Um, and they would be penalized heavily for break, for breaching that contract. And I, I don't think they would leave unless they were pretty sure that, um, you know, ESPN was willing to renegotiate that deal and, you know, sweeten the pot for everybody. And so it doesn't make sense from the SEC standpoint to just add two more teams for the sake of adding two more teams. You're adding Texas and Oklahoma for a very strategic purpose. And that's because of the value they will bring to your next TV rights contract. And so, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I absolutely believe that there would be a renegotiation here and, you know, the ESPN's a major player in, in all of this at this point, and, and they're going to have uh, those TV rights negotiators and executives um, will have a major hand in, in the way college football is restructured going forward. And, and honestly, that was already the case before the, the realignment came out because, uh, you know, the college football playoff, they've got the rights to that. And, um, you know, there was already talk of tripling the, uh, the size of the, the, the CFP field. And so, you know, that that alone was going to be a, a new financial windfall for, um, you know, a lot of these programs and, and the major conferences. And now, yeah, you know, um, I don't think there's any doubt if Texas and Oklahoma uh, join the SEC and are playing ball in that league. I don't care when the contracts are up or, uh, you know, what the dates on those deals are. You rip all that up and, and you go back to the drawing board. And that's got to be a part of this. And that's that's I think the reason why all this is happening, because think about this, like uh, getting back to on the field stuff. Oklahoma's done a pretty good job of, of making the college football playoff out of the Big 12 uh, with it at four teams, you know. And if they expand the college football playoff to 12 teams, so long as Lincoln Riley is the coach there at Oklahoma, they could sleepwalk through the Big 12 to a 12-team playoff. Um, and Oklahoma, for that matter, even at their current – or uh, excuse me, Texas, uh, even at, you know, at their current trajectory of – of winning nine or 10 games, you know, on an up year, they could get in every other year at their current pace um, out of the big 12. So it's not going to get easier for those schools to make the playoff, you know, in the sec, as opposed to the big 12. So, you know, they're not doing it for competitive reasons. They're definitely doing it for financial reasons. And um, you know, the other, the votes that they're going to get from the sec would definitely be contingent upon, you know, those rights um, increasing. And so I think that's, that's a built-in part of this is, is, is the SEC becoming, you know, far and away the most uh, lucrative place to play in terms of the TV money. Let's shift our focus from inside the SEC to outside the SEC, because obviously this is going to have an effect on all of college football, not just within the conference. So Daniel, I'll start with you. What are some implications of Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC What's happening outside the conference? What does this mean for the Big 12? What does this mean for other conferences? What does this mean for the sport? Well, let me kind of go back. I want to maybe bring this to a, just an earlier stage. Just Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12, not even joining the SEC. If for some reason that deal falls out, if they still leave, I think that there is a chance that both of those could either join another, still another conference or even potentially go independent. Now, um, 
I think that those are those are floated out there. So I'm just going to put those aside. And just the big the Big Twelve, they can either add some more teams and try to make this work. Um, I see that as less likely. Um, I just don't know if they're going to be able to replace that revenue that was kind of keeping them afloat. Like that, you know, you look at the numbers and it was always the SEC and the Big Ten are so far ahead of everybody because of their network deals and things of that nature and uh, just their, their brands overall. Well, Texas and Oklahoma were, you know, holding up the Big 12 and they were still a middling conference. They're better than the Pac-12, but they, you know, were basically battling the ACC for that third spot. So um, I don't know money-wise if it makes sense for them to add an SMU and a Houston and like things that have been floated out there, maybe add some of the AAC teams maybe add a BYU, make them part of the conference, that kind of thing. I think that's attractive in this, that sense, but I think it would almost, you know, from a, it, it would almost relegate them to being a group of five school. I don't think that they would be considered or a group of five conference, excuse me. I don't think they'd be considered a, you know, power five anymore. It'd be like more of a power four. Um, you know, other options I've seen is either, you know, I know they made the call to the back 12 to try to, create some sort of merger um, or just the overall grouping together. I don't know how much that solves things. We've been talking about money and the PAC 12 has been suffering for a while. Yeah. You've got a conference to kind of pull everything together with, but you know, I don't think that that's a long-term solution to anything. Um, It's funny to think that Kansas is one of the, last big power brokers in the big 12. Of course, we're talking, we're college football show. We talk about college football. We love college football, but Kansas, they're a big power broker, obviously, because, because of the hardwood uh, they're talking to the big 10 and potentially solidifying a spot there and being, you know, the, the premier basketball conference, them in the ACC, but really that would add a lot there. I, it's, it's funny to think that Kansas might have the next amount of push in that conference. Yeah, Nebraska's like, hey guys, welcome. Finally, somebody in the <laughs> West we can beat. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. I man, I think you mentioned the whole money deal. Yeah. You know, the Big 12 adding, you know, a, a Houston, uh, an SMU made a lot more sense when Oklahoma and Texas were still in the conference. <laughs> yeah, of course, like, of course. That that's a lot more fun. But like there are no four teams that replaces the money of Oklahoma and Texas. There are none. And so I think it's a lot more likely. And that goes for the Pac-12, too. Like the, uh, Cover 3 did an exercise months ago, and a listener asked a question about, like, if you take Oklahoma and Texas out of the Big 12, which conference is better, the Big 12 or the AAC? And Tom Fernelli and Chip Patterson said the, the AAC is better without Texas and Oklahoma. And I would agree. And so... There, there are no more teams left in the Big 12 that adding them to a conference makes a TV deal sweeter. We think Iowa State's going to be really good this year. Adding Iowa State to the Pac-12 does not increase their TV money. It doesn't. It just, it, it just doesn't. And so I think it's a lot more likely than four super conferences because there are no more teams left to make another super conference. There, there isn't another Texas or Oklahoma out there to add to the ACC, Big 10, Pac-12 to make it a super conference. So... I mean, I think you could be moving towards, and this is way future, like a couple 20-team conferences, like that sort of reshuffle that 
is a lot more likely to me than like four super conferences, which has a lot more implication in the future with the playoff and stuff like that too. Well, I think about it in terms of like, think about it in terms of the networks. You know, there, there is a Pac-12 network. There is an SEC network. There is a Big Ten network. And there's an ACC network. Which, which league did not have a network and does not have a network? It's the Big 12. And so, yeah. and they, they have the fewest number of teams. Um, so I think feel like they were the, the most likely to get picked off, you know, uh, to begin with because of those reasons. And I, I kind of think that in the long run, from an external perspective, just outside of the SEC, you know, the, the four super conference thing, it may not be permanent, but it could be where we're headed for the next kind of interim period of time. Uh, because I do think that even though there's not a big brand left in, in among the eight Big 12 schools that would be left after Texas and Oklahoma leave, I think for, from the Pac-12's perspective, there could be value if you were able to swoop up in one package, Texas Tech, Baylor, and TCU. Because do the three of those combined maybe get you close to a Texas you know, number of eyeballs? I don't know. I mean, maybe. You're talking about three – you know, fairly large alumni bases in a really populated state. So, you know, maybe if you can get those three schools, maybe you can get Oklahoma State in there too. All of a sudden, you know, that long-suffering network, you know, has a lot more eyeballs in a part of the country that cares more about college football. That's kind of the – would have to be, in my opinion, the only way that that four quote-unquote super conferences emerge is if the Pac-12 can somehow benefit from all this because – if, the, if this all goes down and the Pac-12 only manages to fall farther behind, well, you know, then that league becomes the AAC or, or, or what have you or, or a, a group of conference rather than a power conference. So I think that's got to be on the table. And I would hope, as somebody who writes a little bit about the Pac-12, <laughs> uh, that their new leadership is in a position where they can realize, hey, like, we need to be aggressive here. And, um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, do or die at this point, I think almost for that conference. So uh, that, that's one of the things that's most interesting to me is how does the PAC 12 respond to all this? Because I do think they have an opportunity to sort of grab a life raft here and, and, you know, extend an olive branch to those Texas schools that have been left behind in the midst of all this. I like that perspective. Cause obviously those Texas schools, you have to kind of, if you group the others together, you kind of get those markets to, you know, they're spread out amongst the, you know, their alumni base, like you said, spread out across the state that might help uh, bringing that kind of stuff in. Um, Josh Pate did an exercise a few weeks ago asking his listeners, what, what would turn college football on its ear if it happened this season? And nobody mentioned this. Um, And now I'm starting to think this seems Texas and OU leaving one conference, leaving Big 12, and coming to the SEC, just that happening alone has almost created like a stock market effect. You know, last time we had John David, we did like a stock market, you know, ups and downs. This feels like a volatile market right now. This feels like I'm investing in Dogcoin, Dogecoin, whatever you call it, and I'm just like watching it every day. And then somebody tweets out to the moon, I go look at it, I'm excited. And then the next day it's down, you know, 50% of what I just saw. So I don't really know where things are at. I kind of feel like I might, you know, want, I like, am I still going to love this game after all the dust settles from all these moves? You know, I mean, I think the answer is yes, because I just love this game so much, but it will feel different 
one way or the other when, you know, you put in, I mean, obviously transfer portal was a little something to get used to. That's been fine. NIL happening. And then this happens and now we're starting to do a bigger realignment than what we've had before. I've just started getting used to Texas A&M and Missouri being in the SEC, you know, Maryland being in the big 10. I still have trouble with that. You know, all these different teams joining these different conferences. I'm just now kind of getting a good feel for it. Now we're pulling the rug out from under it. So I don't really know. Think about how the video game developers over at EA sports are feeling right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. They're like, Oh, delete, just delete that whole thing. You know, I think one last implication I'll say with, within the conference is there, you know, there's been this whole battle between TV and ticket sales in the stadiums and TV will forever win. Like that's not going away, but you want to increase ticket sales at Oklahoma and Texas is an every, you know, every other year you're playing one or the other <laughs> for your, for your home games and ticket sales are going to go up. I mean, this adds more exciting games every single season. Uh, if you're in the SEC, I look at a team like Georgia where this year their home schedule is, I mean, you got South Carolina, uh, what uh, they have UAB, they've got Charleston Southern, Arkansas. Uh, like they don't play Florida. They don't play Bama, Auburn, LSU, A&M. None of the big money schools are coming to play in Athens this year. Yeah, it's Kentucky, I'm a Georgia fan. Missouri, Charleston Southern, Arkansas, UAB, South Carolina. The – you know, game that would have been a home game, you know, that they had in place was them playing in Charlotte, playing Clemson. Yeah, you add you add an Oklahoma or Texas that schedule and ticket sales go up. Right. That's something so. I didn't think about, you know. That's the – they're constantly, you know, they've constantly been battling the at-home experience versus the in-stadium experience. I don't think butts and seats has been a problem, but as far as donor base – season ticket sales, all that kind of stuff, they can definitely upcharge that even more now. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, that that's definitely an element of all this that I'm glad you brought up because, you know, there is a real worry and there has been over the last 10 years in college sports about, uh, you know, ticket revenue. And is that going to continue to deteriorate in the age of high definition TV? So that's actually, a, a, I think, a really good point uh, because, Look, I was there in 2016, 2015, when Baker Mayfield in, in Oklahoma came to Knoxville. And, I mean, it was unreal. It was it was absolutely lit, uh, you know, well over 100,000 in there. And, and Baker Mayfield still gets asked about that day, you know, um, and, and speaks of it as, as one of the best environments he's ever played in. And I'm not bragging on Neyland Stadium. I'm bragging on the fact that the game was, was, was staged, the fact that Tennessee and Oklahoma were, were playing each other. And so – that's actually a really good point, you know, in, in all this, that Texas and Oklahoma for the first, you know, eight or nine years that they're in the conference, anytime they come into an SEC venue as a road team, you know, that, that stadium is going to be, you know, just over the moon and, and lit, you know, for, for them to be there. Um, and that's, you know, did it, what does that mean in the long run? Eventually they'll just be another team in the league, but you know, in, in the short term, yeah, it could really, it could really be a, a benefit to the, uh, to the ticket sales, the, the one, the one uh, team or, or guy that I really feel sorry for in all this is Clark Lee and Vanderbilt. Like, man, <laughs> like it was already going to be tough for you, dog. But like, you know, he played in the league back in the early nineties uh, when South Carolina and Arkansas were the new guys. Right. Right. Uh, like, Oh man, the big bad sec just added South Carolina and Arkansas. 
uh, now, uh, since he was a player in the conference, they've added Texas A&M, Missouri, and now potentially, you know, Texas and Oklahoma. So if, as if things weren't already hard enough for Vanderbilt, um, yeah, I think Clark Lee's got his work cut out for him. David, final question. The current contract with the Big 12 runs out in 2025. The TV rights still does with Oklahoma and Texas. Do we make it to that point? I doubt it. I doubt it. I feel like at this point, that's well, – let's, let's see. You know, if it runs out in 2025, right, like we've got a, a handful more seasons left. And I just can't see that relationship continuing on under these this this level of tension, you know. And, you know, can the Big 12 sweeten the pot enough, uh, you know, to get them to stay – um, I, I had sense, and I'm not a lawyer and I've never negotiated a TV rights package and, and I sure hope I never have to. Uh, but you know, when I, when I see that headline and I see our reporting at CBS about the big 12 making that offer, I'm sure it's earnest. I'm sure they, they really mean it. I'm sure they would be open to, you know, keeping those teams in the conference and giving them more money. Um, even if it meant less for the other eight schools. Um, but if that were to happen, um, I just see a one, a lot of tension, uh, rising to the surface to make those relationships almost unbearable uh, for mm-hmm. the 10 teams in the conference. And then, you know, the other thing that I, that I think about too is if this does go to court, the Big 12 probably wants to be able to say, hey, look, we did everything we could to try to get get them to stay. And in fact, we were willing to give them more money. That's how, that's how much this contract and honoring this agreement meant to us. So make them give give us as much money, you know, all this money, right? Because uh, we wanted them to stay and we were willing to compensate them, you know, even above and beyond this contract to do so. So I think it's, I think it's two parts. I think that's probably some legal maneuvering. And I think it's also some, some earnestness and saying, Hey, yes, uh, we would put our tails between our legs and, and beg you to stay. And both of those things I don't think are healthy um, for, for a conference. Uh, you know, I don't think that either of those things uh, bode well for uh, working together and, you know, it, if either of those things were to happen, like just, um, I, I don't think it, it's the type of creates the type of working relationship and the type of dynamics between university presidents and athletic directors that is conducive to, you know, participating in a conference together. Uh, so, so I guess, no, I don't think I see the big 12 continuing under its current 10 team, uh, construction for very much longer. It's almost like question. the, uh, the like you know, George Costanza and, uh, Seinfeld says, I don't have hand in the relationship. It's like whoever has hand, whether it's the woman or the man, they control and dictate the relationship. Texas and Oklahoma have so much hand, like it's, they, they haven't, they don't know what to do with it right now. So if they were to come back, they would have, they would still be in that position. It would be so unequal, the balance of power. I agree with you that that's such an unhealthy relationship for them yeah. long-term. It would still I think something would fizzle out after a couple of years anyways, even if they tried to hold on to something, they sweeten the pot, they're going to come in a couple of years and try to renegotiate again and get more money. So Yeah, and if they were just trying to leverage more money out of this, they wouldn't have done it all in, in such secrecy. They would have right. they would have had lawyers or reporters leak it, you know, to the Big 12 brass and to Bob Bowlesby and say, hey, you know, uh, Texas and Oklahoma are That's thinking about point. leaving, Bob. Why don't you uh, get with the other chancellors and see what y'all can do? But they waited until what feels like the eleventh hour on, yeah. on all this, um, and, and really, what we what we are assuming is that it was Texas A and M that is ultimately the school that that broke the silence on the, all this. And so, to me, that suggests that that Texas and Oklahoma knew 
that there was really no negotiating to be done. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm sure there's now an analogy to be had there with the housing market or the buying a new car or something, but it, it's, it's not coming to mind right now, but just the, the idea of them being willing to negotiate with the big 12, I, I don't know that I see that. It just seems really far-fetched. Yeah. So that big 12 deal runs out in 2025, uh, the new Disney and sec deal starts in 2024, worth 300 million a year that's an upgrade from the cbs 55 million a year they're currently making so does if that's the case of you know if if the if oklahoma and texas join early does the sec buy cbs out of their tv rights contract and start early with espn because i think that's a very real possibility too i have no idea No, CBS is going to clinch it and say, we're going to take these ratings with Texas and OU while we got them. They're going to take right. it. We're going to bring, bring Vern back. That's oh, that's Vern right. will come back for that for sure. Oh, my goodness. For your sake, I hope uh, I hope CBS keeps it for as long as they can. <laughs> so, yeah, big bosses are like that. I don't know. Hey, you know, the other, the other part of this that, that interests me that we'll, we're going to get to eventually that I'll, I'll probably end up writing about at some point is the other sports, right? Like, I cover basketball, too, and we've just been, and, and rightfully so, so enamored and immersed as a college sports society around the football elements of this. I mean, how does this even begin to impact some of the other sports and basketball yeah. in particular, you know, if we're talking about the NCAA fading into irrelevance and, you know, that that's fine by me and fine by most people, but what is the one thing the NCAA does really well? It's, it's put on a basketball tournament. Um, you know, uh, so uh, if the NCAA ceases to exist in some form over the next decade or whatever, what happens to uh, the basketball tournament? I don't know. That, that's, that's one hypothetical that I'm kind of wanting to explore a little more, but uh, football is, is no doubt the, uh, the engine that drives the train. And I see the, the CFP as an organization um, and maybe now so more, more so the SEC, those two organizations being the, the engine, you know, moving forward. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked either if, if uh, the SEC looked beyond 16. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma snuck up on us all so quickly. Who's to say they're not looking at Clemson and Florida state or uh, Ohio state and Ohio Michigan state, or, yeah you know, uh, other schools as well. Um, who's to say Notre Dame couldn't be persuaded as ridiculous as that sounds. Um, I know there's definitely some chatter out there, uh, how far along those talks may be, if at all, who knows, but, um, you know, I think Notre point, Dame's got a lot more hurdles to climb because that ACC contract, that's they true. Signed, that's what, they have yeah. that through 2036. I believe that says if they join any power five, if they join any conference, it will have to be the ACC. So yes. they have that partial, you know, playing footsie. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that's actually a, a, a fantastic point. Yeah, they've got to go to the ACC if they're going anywhere contractually. So because they, they are they are an ACC member in, in basketball and in other sports. So that's 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 a really good caveat to mention. And that, I, I feel like the ACC must feel pretty good about that because, you know, you think about it like, who are the other schools if Texas and Oklahoma are off the market and other, other conferences are trying to add value, who can, who can add value, you know, to your league? Um, you know, we talked about maybe bundling the other Texas schools, like, okay, maybe, I mean, but Notre Dame is obviously, you know, the answer to that question. And the fact that they're locked in until 2036 to, you know, to go into the ACC is really important. Gosh, just thinking about, the potential of Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Florida State being 
Uh, under the SEC's umbrella, I mean, hey, it just means more. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> if we know anything, it just means more in the SEC. David, let our listeners know where can they where can they read your stuff, follow you on social media, where can they find you? Yeah, it's uh, David W. Cobb uh, on Twitter, and uh, they're on, on CBS Sports. Uh, just a role player on our on our deep uh, college football roster. So. Uh, wrote about some Big Ten media days this past week and looking forward to helping out with uh, whatever comes along with the realignment talks over the next uh, however long it lasts. David, you're too humble. You're one of the six CBS college football experts, (laughs) according to some articles I read in the fall. Hey, Jacob. I, I won our expert picks uh, last year uh, against the spread. I really yes. did. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you're if work will take you out to Vegas again at any point, but if it does and you end up out there, you know, my, my expert picks are the ones you need to look at. Yes. Look for those in the fall. You want to make some money. David Cobb, let's go to that column, make all those picks, make some money. So, <laughs> Hey, you can follow Daniel on Twitter at deep South Daniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K. That will do it for this edition of The Extra Point. He is David. He is Daniel. I'm Jacob. See you.